Good evening. Good evening. Welcome to uh, Monday Evening Chapel. That's, I think that's the first time I said that this year, and it's, I think, the last time I'm going to say it this year. Uh, glad you're here. Uh, this week's chapel services are part of a special series. Um, the series is underwritten by the Harry Dickerson family uh, to promote pulpit evangelism and holiness. And uh, when I talked with President Graves about uh, uh, who might, um, who we'd want to have to uh, fill in or to speak in that place, uh, Dr. Norman Moore, Reverend Norman Moore's name came to mind right away. Uh, if you don't know Reverend Moore, he is a tenured evangelist in the Church of the Nazarene. He, uh, there is some biographical information on the inside of the bulletin that I've given you, so I'm not going not gonna to run through all of that with you. Um, I want you to know that he's a friend of Nazarene Bible College uh, and has supported uh, students and the uh, ministry of the school through, uh, through the years, for at least as long as I've been here and longer, I know. So... Um, I, I know that this is a bit unusual. I just want you to know that uh, Reverend Moore was in Dayton, Ohio this morning, and he made the trip here for you. So would you welcome him? Well, it's, it's just good to be together in chapel tonight, and it's really great to have David Ebert home from Iraq. David is, I think, home just for a couple weeks or so, and, and uh, he's here in chapel tonight, and uh, we've missed David, haven't we? Haven't we missed him being a part of our community here? And our prayers go with you, David, when you go back, and, and uh, we, we're just glad you're here tonight. God is, God is a great and awesome God, and he's protected you. And for that, we give thanks and praise to him. And may he continue to watch over you, David. God bless you, friend. Accept all that we offer to you, Father, we ask. All of our worship, all of ourselves, all of our preoccupation, everything that our minds are turned to, we bring them all back to you. There is none like you. We give you praise, we give you thanks, We ask that you would continue to help us hear from you now through your servant, through your word, for your sake, for our sake, for the sake of those who do not know you yet. We pray it in Jesus' name. There is none like you. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good evening, friends. It's a blessing to be back. Nazarene Bible College. I enjoy coming here and I see some familiar faces and see some new faces and eager to get acquainted with you in the next couple of days. I believe in the Church of the Nazarene and its message of holiness and an honor to get to uh, address this uh, chapel service tonight and on through the next couple of days. A few years ago, my wife uh, signed me the responsibility of doing some grocery shopping for her. I'm a traveling evangelist. I'm home very rarely. But when I am home, I like to give domestic responsibilities a priority. And she was busy that day with vacuuming and laundry. 
things that many husbands are allergic to. <laughs> but she's a very detailed person, and she had a grocery list written of things we were needing, and I had some free time, and she made the tactful suggestion, and I said, honey, I'll go to the store and get this stuff for you, and got the grocery list and the checkbook and got in the car and headed down to the supermarket where we habitually shop, parked in that big parking lot and approached those electronically operated sliding glass doors. You know the kind? Somehow they anticipate your arrival and beckon you into impoverishment. As I approached those sliding doors, I noticed installed adjacent to the entrance was a huge new vending machine. It wasn't there the last time I was at the store, and it was the first time I ever saw one like that. It wasn't a Coke or Pepsi machine. I looked at it. It was a water dispenser. Never had seen one. It's been a while. The claim on the panel was sparkling fresh mountain spring water. Well, to be frank and honest, I was half curious and half impulsive. <laughs> you see, at home, the kitchen tap water sink water kind of tastes like a swimming pool, highly chlorinated. And I noticed a coin slot wanted 30 cents. So I reached in my jeans, and I found a quarter, and I found a nickel. And I shoved in the quarter, and I shoved in the nickel, waiting for my sparkling, fresh mountain spring water. And all of a sudden, a whole river came out of that little spout. It splashed on my pants, down on my shoes, on a sidewalk, clear on out into the parking lot. I was shocked. Nobody told me you're supposed to bring your own bottle. There were people pushing the shopping buggies out of the store. And they pointed and shook their head. And... Folks, just to make me feel worse, as they were approaching the store, they held up their pant legs and they exaggeratingly waited the flood. I was really embarrassed. But that wasn't the worst of it. I still had a grocery list and a checkbook. And my pants are wet all down the front. <laughs> How do you explain that to the checker? <laughs> there was one thing missing. A clean, available container for the fresh water to be poured into and subsequently out of to quench the parched thirst of needy others. And that's what the Lord is looking for here tonight. Clean, available containers. For His Holy Spirit to be poured into and His influence and out of to meet the thirsty needs of a hurting world. What's it mean to live a life that's clean and available? We find evidence in Acts chapter 8 at verse 26. 
after the day of Pentecost, disciples filled with the Holy Spirit exhibited unusual and extraordinary ministries and influence. And here's one, a deacon named Philip, Acts 8, 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who's the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why should I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way. What's the last word? Rejoicing. Evidence of what it means to be clean and available. The question for us all this evening is, are you currently postured in your relationship with God where you can truthfully testify you're living a life that's clean and available? By clean, I mean sins forgiven, confessed, repented of, renounced, forsaken, forgiven under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Clean. And if you are clean, are you available? It's one thing to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior where you've been born again. But it's something significantly beyond that to die to your own will and submit to his sovereign rule in your life, be cleansed from original sin and filled with the Holy Spirit and deployed in the world to have an impact for Christ and for souls for time and eternity. Evidence of what it means to be clean and available. First clue is right there in verse 26. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, there's your first clue what it means to be clean and available. What is it? Philip lived close enough to God that God could get his attention. If God had a responsibility for you, if he had an assignment in mind where you could make a substantial impact and have an influence in someone else's life, could he even get your attention? Some of us are so busy and so preoccupied with our own schedules and agendas. Philip lived close enough to God God can get his attention. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. The next clue is right next door in verse 27. So he started out immediate obedience. What would you do if you sense a strong impression from the Holy Spirit leading you in a direction of ministry and connection? What would we do? Habitually check our watch? Look at the calendar, anticipate our next responsibility or schedule, 
I mean, who among us want to take off at some impulsive tangent? Philip was close enough to God, God could get his attention. And he was immediately obedient. Didn't procrastinate, didn't rationalize, didn't delay. So he started out. The truth was, Philip didn't know where he was going. He didn't know why he was going. He didn't know how long he'd be gone. The only instructions he received was which road to take and which way to take it. Like get on I-25 and head to Pueblo. Just get on the Gaza Highway and head south. That's the only instructions he received. There's another clue that follows. It's hidden, but it sure enough is there. He proceeded trustingly. He knew that God wasn't playing games with him. And he's not playing games with you. He's not trying to burn up your gas and wear out your tires. If he sends you on an assignment, there's somebody out there who needs your influence in your ministry. He lived close enough to God. God could get his attention. We could all do better, couldn't we? And staying daily connected. He was immediately obedient and he proceeded trustingly. And his attention came upon this Ethiopian. I got to tell you about this Ethiopian fellow. He was a high honcho, worked for the queen in the finance department. He took a few days off work and he went to Jerusalem for what I have called a spiritual enrichment retreat. He was questing for God. In his heart, as in every human heart, there's an empty spot that only God can fill. And there's an itch down inside that need to get scratched. So where else would he go? To Jerusalem, the big city with the big books and the big boys with all the big answers. But evidently the itch in his heart didn't get scratched because he's heading home in his governmental limo reading Isaiah 53, Old Testament messianic prophecy about Jesus, scratching his head and searching his heart and trying to make sense of the whole deal. There's somebody like that in your world right now. The Holy Spirit prompted Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. That's another clue. Philip was continually led, guided, monitored, coached by the Holy Spirit. Do you have any idea what it means to be daily led and guided by the Holy Spirit? Do you and the Holy Spirit connect at all beyond your times of public worship? Philip, clean and available, was continually led by the Holy Spirit. His gung-ho responsiveness, his immediate obedience is also seen. Then Philip ran up to the chariot. I don't know why he ran. Maybe the, maybe the chariot was in motion and he had to get with it to catch up. I don't know. But he again was immediately obedient to the Spirit's prompting. And a wonderful thing occurred. The Holy Spirit gave him just the right thing to say at just the right time. Did you get his opening line? Do you understand what you're reading? Total stranger. Different country, different race, different religious background. Icebreaker with a total stranger. Do you understand what you're reading? Isn't that a good opening line? Where'd he get that? I'm convinced it wasn't the result of 42 personal evangelism training courses. <laughs> and I doubt that it was a result of his naturally sanguine personality. It goes beyond human extroversion. You say, well, I'm kind of shy and timid. I'm an introvert. So am I. Deal with it. Get over it. The Holy Spirit will lead us 
at just the right time and give us just the right words to say. And you'll catch yourself by surprise as you live a life clean and available, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, deployed in a hurting world to make an eternally significant impact Amen. in somebody else's life. Amen. Do you understand what you're reading? Get the pathetic response of this Ethiopian. He said, how can I? Unless someone explains it to me. I wouldn't be a bit surprised, but there's somebody in your normal weekly network of contacts, or maybe a total stranger, like in this story. They're thinking and feeling the same thing. How can I know the way unless someone explains it to me? He invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And they reviewed the passage of Scripture. And at verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who's the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Verse 35, then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture. There's a word that's absent in this story after that question. What is it? Huh? What? He was familiar with God's word. There's no hint that he said, I never heard that one before. Better make an appointment with my pastor. Philip, not one of the preaching apostles, clean and available, was familiar with God's word. He began with that very passage of scripture. How could he explain Isaiah 53 to this fella? Because it wasn't the first time he'd ever been through it. You can't explain it if you never read it. It gives me an irresistible urge for a commercial for Bible study. No guilt trips, but just a fair question. What priority to give, do you give the reading of God's word every day? Philip was familiar enough with God's word. He could begin with that very passage of scripture. But you could politely and silently rebuttal. Forget it, Norman. You don't know me. You don't have a clue about my schedule. I don't got time to read the Bible every day. Might I politely counter? Is there any chance that could be some lightweight, superficial, mediocre rationalization of misarranged priorities? <laughs> we all have 24 hours every day, and we choose what we're going to do with our time. And you chose to come to chapel tonight, and I'm really glad you did. Philip gave priority to the study and understanding of God's Word. He began with that very passage of Scripture, and what did he do with it? He told him the good news about Jesus. There's somebody in your world, in my world, that needs our connection and needs our influence. And they need to hear some good news. Why? They get bad news all day long. He explained the gospel. And the Ethiopian, according to the context, having believed Philip's witness, receiving the Lord, noticed, hey man, here's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And they pulled over and parked, and a wonderful thing occurred. Philip baptized his convert. He performed a traditionally ministerial function as a deacon. You want to shock your pastor? 
come to church with this testimony. Pastor, I've been uh, praying about being in one of those clean and available containers that guy was yelling about the other night. And my neighbor was over, and we were watching a ball game on Saturday, and during a commercial, I picked up the remote and pushed mute and muted out the commercial. And he looked, and he noticed my Bible on the coffee table and said, what's that all about? Well, Pastor, I've been trying to be a clean and available container, and like Philip in Acts chapter 8, and blow me down, Pastor. We, we didn't even watch the rest of the ball game. I just told him how I was a poor lost sinner heading for hell and deserving to go. I'm about to lose my family and my job and my kids. And Jesus saved me and cleaned me up, turned me around. We didn't even watch the rest of the ball game. We knelt down on the couch and I led him to the Lord in prayer and he soaked my couch upholstery with his tears of repentance. He asked me about baptism. Well, you know I don't have a swimming pool, but we went out on the patio and I turned on the garden hose and I soaked him down real good. <laughs> Why don't you come to church next Sunday with a testimony like that and see if it doesn't bless your pastor? Philip performed a traditionally understood ministerial function and baptized his convert. Unusual thing happened. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Wow. I do a lot of flying. <laughs> but none like that. 101 flights last year. If I ever fly like that, I'll let you know. They might print it in holiness today. What do you think? I checked into one airport, and I told the lady, I want you to send this by, uh, suitcase to Miami, and send this one to Seattle. I'm going to Dallas. She said, well, sir, we can't do that. I said, why not? That's what you did last time I flew with you. <laughs> When I get to heaven, I'm going to find Philip and ask if he lo they lost his luggage. <laughs> Philip, clean and available, forgiven of his sins, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, cleansed in his heart, filled and deployed to make an impact in his world, lived close enough to God, God could get his attention. And he was immediately obedient to the Spirit's promptings. He proceeded trustingly, knowing God wasn't playing games with him. There was a purpose for that journey. He had his eyes focused on somebody else's need. He was continually led, guided by the Holy Spirit, and he trusted the Lord to give him just the right thing to say at just the right time. And he was familiar with God's Word. He wasn't disarmed when it came time to needing helpfulness for that seeker. And he uh, took the risk of doing something beyond the norm, baptized his convert. The bottom line is, this Ethiopian pulled into his driveway, born again and baptized. Get the picture. This Ethiopian was hungry for God, empty spot down in his heart, and it got more than he could handle. So he took a few days off work and went to Jerusalem, looking for the answers. Didn't find what he was looking for. He left home, he was lost. He got to Jerusalem, he was still lost. He turned around and left Jerusalem, and he was still lost. He connected with a clean and available container, heard a gospel witness, had the scripture explained, believed on Jesus, received him as Savior, was baptized, and he pulled into his driveway, born again, and baptized. And it happened because God had somebody who's clean and available. 
he could use at a moment's notice. Are you serving him tonight as a clean and available container? Is there any level of resistance, any procrastination, any delays or denials, any rationalizations, any level of grieving or quenching the Holy Spirit? A sanctified, spirit-filled, dedicated, and consecrated disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ will live a daily life that's clean and available. Absolute flawless perfection, no way. I'm proof of it. But a heart that's intent on doing God's will and being the person he wants you to be. We're going to have the opportunity for prayer time here at the altar for those who may like to take advantage of this chance to have a quiet talk with the Lord. No hassle, no pressure, no guilt trips. But if the Holy Spirit has tapped you on the shoulder and whispered into your ear, and there are opportunities for improvement as you serve him as a clean and available container, maybe you'd want to come forward for prayer. Please stand. I cannot assume that we're all clean. For some of you, you need to pray about sin in your life. You may need to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Can't always assume that. But it's likely that most of us, if not all of us, know the Lord as our Savior. But if you're not clean, you can come and receive Jesus. Confess and repent of your sins. He'll forgive you and forget all about it. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. He didn't say as far as the north is from the south, because there's terminal points. You head north, 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 north. You hit the North Pole, then you're going south, 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 south. You head south, 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 south. You hit the South Pole, and then you go north, north, north. He didn't say as far as the north is from the south. He said as far as the east is from the west. You take off and you go east. You're going east, 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 east. Go clear around the world. You're still going east, 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 east. Take off going west. Go all the way around the world. West, 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 west. Still going west. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, or if there are issues that you and Jesus need to talk about, about unconfessed sin in your life, you can be clean before you walk out the door. But it's highly likely that most of us here would say, I'm clean, I'm saved, forgiven of my sins, but are you available? On any of these issues, were there biblical clues of what that looked like in Philip's story? Would there be resistance or procrastination, hesitation, disobedience? Who's the boss of your life? Who's in the driver's seat? Whose will prevails? Whose agenda is being pursued? Philip set aside his agenda for the day and was immediately obedient to the Holy Spirit's prompting. One of the byproducts of a sanctified life is fruitfulness in ministering to others as the Holy Spirit leads us. If you'd like to pray, you're welcome to come. It occurs to me that the question, are you currently postured in your relationship with Jesus where you can truthfully testify you're living a life that's clean and available, it occurs to me that that could uh, be kind of obvious. Otherwise, why would you even be here, enrolled or serving on faculty or staff? Well, 
I read one place, the biggest room in the world. Is the room for improvement. And the holy life is ongoing and expanding and growing and sensitivity and usefulness and availability to God and his will and purposes for our lives. And if you're anything like me, and you kind of look like me, you're human. And sometimes we need a tune-up in our hearts for our availability to God. I'm going to sing the chorus one more time. In case you and the Lord need to have a talk, you're welcome to come. Doctor, come pray for us. pray together. Father, thank you for your faithfulness to us. You say to us just the things we need to hear when we need to hear them. And you do it through servants just like Norman Moore. Thank you for this message tonight. as gently yet profoundly caused us to reflect on why we are here and what you have called us to be and what you're preparing us to do. So tonight we give ourselves to you afresh and anew. we might be clean and available faithful servants in your sight bless David here as he prays tonight and bless us as we go from this place of worship back to our classrooms of preparation help us to remember the high calling you have placed on each of us this I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.